you ever like wondered about, fantasized, dreamed about what it would be like to win the lottery? Like when you see these people win big money, you know, like, like I saw this one, there, there's a picture, I don't know when this came from, but it's like Indiana. Can you hit my slide for me, please? Uh, I mean, look at that. $218 million. Like I saw that picture and I'm like, I don't, I don't even, my brain can't even process that. That's just stupid is what that is. I mean, that's like, what do you do with 200? That's a quarter of a billion dollars almost, you know? And you think about it, like, goodness. And so I've always thought, man, that would be so cool just instantly to be rich. But I, it's never going to happen because I don't play the lottery. Because here's, here's the truth. This is, this is some crazy numbers. Do you know that to win like Powerball lottery, you are statistically more likely to die by being crushed by a vending machine than you are to win the Powerball? Yeah, I saw people like, wait, what? It's for real. You are more likely to give birth to identical quadruplets than you are able to win Powerball. Yeah. You are more likely statistically to become the president of the United States than you are to win Powerball. So, you know, I mean, do what you want with your two bucks. You're not going to win. But I mean, it would be incredible in my mind if you could. But here's what we know. People that win the lottery, that they don't really just have it made. There was this landmark study done in 1978. We've known this for years. And here's what they discovered. People who won the lottery are actually no happier in their life than people who haven't won the lottery. In fact, when they did a, a study on life satisfaction, how satisfied you are with your life, lottery winners are, are, are on the same satisfaction scale. They're equivalent to people who've become paralyzed in an accident. And that's like, if you're like me, you're like, no, no. Because if someone went, hey, you won $218 million, I'd be happy. I mean, if somebody came up to me and won, you won $21, I'd be like, yes, like, sweet. You know, that's awesome. But here's what we find out, that it changes people's lives when they, in, when they win that kind of money. There's one guy, his name's Philip Pena. He's a 62-year-old guy. He won $29 million, which seems like pennies compared to 218. But $29 million is, is not chump change. That's what he got to, actually, I think that's what he, he cashed out at. And he tried to do everything the right way. Before he won the lottery, he was a mechanic. After he won the lottery, he stayed being a mechanic. Actually, he took the money and he gave some, not a lot. He said like thousand in the thousands of dollars to some nieces and to some family members. He bought a new house, uh, not even a huge house, a big, big house, but not huge. He upgraded his mechanic's garage and he started to invest the rest of the money so he didn't let it go to his head. He got invited to go on Oprah. He said, no, I just want to be a normal guy. The one thing that he did, was he went on a show on, on the TLC channel called The Lottery Changed My Life. He agreed to do that. And he said it was the worst decision he ever made because it changed everything. Because as soon as the show aired, he started getting letters and emails and people to his house and people in the community, person upon person upon person, coming up and asking him, begging him for money. And so here's the guy who did it the right way. And he used some phrases. He didn't really say it ruined his life, but he said, hey, it, everything changed. It went, it went really downhill fast. And what we've discovered, the, the study says that's what happens. They get money, but all of a sudden, that's just one of several reasons, but all of these people show up, they're users. They, they, they come, and that would be hard for me because like, I, I, I think I have the gift of giving. Some people say that's not a spiritual gift. I think it is not, and I, I think God has given me that. I love to bless people and give things away. I mean, I get a great joy out of it. Um, and so to have that kind of money, that would be hard for me because I would want to give it away, but I, I would get concerned about the people who I thought were just coming to, you know, be a user. 
And you, you know people like that. I'm sure you've, you've had like an acquaintance in your life and don't point if they're sitting next to you, but like your phone rings or there's a text comes in, you look down and it's from them. And your first thought, your first thought is what do they want now? The only time they call me is when they want something. They might, they're gonna ask me to cheat off my homework. They're gonna, you know, what you shouldn't do. They're gonna ask me for this. They're gonna ask me to, to do this favor for them. And, and you see them and you're just like, man, I, I, they don't even talk to me. We're not even friends, but they call me and ask me for stuff all the time. Or you might have a, you might actually have a good friend that you consider a good friend. And this is kind of connecting because they're the friend that you feel like uh, you're there for them all the time. When they need somebody to cry to, to vent to, to, you know, talk about what's happening at home. They got broken up with. I want somebody to hang out with. They call you, you're there. But it seems like every time you call them or every time you reach out to them, they're too busy. And that relationship for you, it starts to suffer. And you might not have called your friend this, but because you feel like you are give, 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 and they are take, 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 take. And it's this unbalanced user relationship. And if you were honest, I mean, if you had the relationship, you don't like it, Right? I mean, those relationships were like, I, this, I, don't, I want to almost get out of this. I have some friends who are very generous people. And I'm using the example of money again, but they were supporting a guy who was a missionary, a great guy, awesome guy. And he, he was doing some mission work kind of in some different places around the world, and even the United States. And they would give money on a regular basis to support his, his ministry. And they never really thought about it, but then all of a sudden what was happening, but one day they got a letter and in his letter, he was kind of taking a break from ministry, but he wasn't taking a break from asking for money. And he was asking, hey, I need this. I need to get that. And I'm going to be here for a year before I go back. And, and, and so basically he was asking them to support like just his, his lifestyle, not even his ministry. And as they began to process it, here's what they realized. They were like, man, we give, 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 but we just realized we only hear from him when he needs something. They weren't looking to be like buddy, buddy, call us, but they only heard reports about what God was doing in the ministry when it came attached to a check request. And now all of a sudden he's out of ministry. He's asking these people who love to give, they're very generous people. They were like, you know what? I think we're out because I, I feel like we're, we're being used. It's a, you ever been in a relationship like that? Just nod your head. Yeah, no. I mean, you, yeah, okay. So, so here's, the, here's the million dollar question though. How many of us, and you don't have to answer this, but how many of us, did I just describe your relationship with God? You only show up, you only have a conversation with God when you need something. When the bottom's falling out on life, that's when you're like, oh God, God, I, I need you now. I'm, God, I'm gonna start going back to church. So I'm starting to church because bad things are happening. God, I'm, and God, your prayers are like this. God, I need, God, I want, God, give me. Ask, 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 God, you've got to come through. And if we were really honest, some of us, we'd look back and we'd go, that person that I don't want to have in my life, that is the taker, I'm the giver, they're the taker, that's all they want. If we flip the coin and we looked at things from a relationship with God, some of us are that person. We expect God to be give, 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 give. And there's absolutely nothing else in our relationship with him. It's like God is our cosmic butler that we go to and go, Father, I need this. Show God, give me this. God, I, I want that. And that, that's all he is to us. And sometimes we have to put it in other perspective, like a described to go, man, maybe that's me. All I do is ask God for things. That's the only time I talk to him. Now, last week, 
we, we talked about asking God. We talked about God's dynamite power. Remember the dunamis, the dynamic, the dynamite power. And we said um, the challenge was for you to go out of here last week and, and to spend this week asking God to put his power into your life. And, and we took prayer requests. We're going to use those tonight. I'll tell you about it a little later. So asking God's not a bad thing. And, and so as we kind of look at the flip side of the coin, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I'm not allowed to ask God things. No, absolutely are. You're actually going to see that in the scripture tonight. But what I want you to understand is the heart of prayer. And that's what we're talking about for the next three weeks, the next two weeks. The heart of prayer is much more. It's much more than just asking God for things. It's much more our prayer, our prayer journal, if you carry one, or our prayer request ought to, be, ought to be more than just a list of things we want God to do for us. The heart of prayer is, is about relationship. It's about connection to God. It's about conversation with him, not just like he's the, like the heavenly Santa Claus that just gives, gives, gives. And so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture in Matthew 6. If you got your Bible, flip there. Um, if you want to grab a Bible, you won't distract us. There's some in the back. I'd love for you to look at it along with us. If you have a phone, you can find it in the U version. Matthew 6, verse 7, Jesus talks about prayer. And we're going to read a passage of Scripture some of you may be familiar with. You may not have ever even read your Bible. You might be visiting tonight and never come. And you still might know this passage because your football team, your sports team might have recited it. You might have seen it in a movie. Maybe you grew up in a domination that recited. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to read it. But here's the context in which it happens. Matthew 6, verse 7. Jesus is talking. He says this. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases of the Gentiles. Those are the people who weren't Jews who didn't worship God. Don't heap up empty phrases the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Some people call this the model prayer. Pray then like this. And, and here goes Jesus. He's going to pray for him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So some people recite this prayer. Like I said, some denominations, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a bad thing. It's probably, probably a good thing. But the intent wasn't for Jesus to go, hey, recite this prayer over and over. He says, you need to pray like this. I'm giving you an example. I want you to see what a conversation with the Father, with God, should look like. There should be some elements inside your conversation with God that is more than just asking. The, the struggle here is this. This passage of scripture that we just read is easily five, six, seven sermons. I mean, it's easily, it's easily that. I mean, we, without even having to dig down deep into words and really get into stuff. But tonight, we're not going to get that deep. We're just kind of, it's just going to be a cursory overview, like this survey of this prayer. Because what I want you to see is not how to do one aspect of, the, of praying like this. I just want you to see that there's more than just asking. The heart of prayer is about deeper things than that. So we're going to run through this uh, kind of quickly talk through what it means and give you some ideas. If you're a note taker, you might write some things down because it'll come back uh, handy for you maybe this week as you're practicing prayer. And we're going to see uh, some ways that God, Jesus tells us to pray. So here, let's go back. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a word we don't use, right? I mean, we may not know what it is. We certainly haven't, like, we weren't in school like this week and somebody went, you know, hallowed to that over there. Because you'd be like, what? I don't even, what does that mean? The word hallowed, it, it means holy. It means, and that's probably not a word we use a whole lot. It means set apart. What he's saying, Jesus says, hey, you start off and you say, Father God, your name, what represents you is, is holy. It is set apart from anything else I know. God, I'm entering into a time of prayer that is unlike anything else I will do today. God, my conversation with you is not gonna be like my conversation with Jacob. 
Because God, your name is set apart from Jacob's. Your name is holy. God, you are much bigger. And so what Jesus gives us kind of at the front is, hey, it's not just about asking. Some of our prayer life ought to be about telling God who he is. It's called praise. The fancy word for it would be adoration. Some people would call it thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving are similar, but they're different. And they're both should be a part of prayer. Thanksgiving is thanking God for what he's done. Praising, praising is praising God for who he is. Let me give you an example. I told an Atlanta Hawks story last week. I'll tell you another one. Um, as, there's my team. I don't get to see them that often. They come to San Antonio once a year to play the Spurs. And uh, occasionally, uh, about every other year or so, we try to go down and, and, and get to watch them. We don't see them that much. And, um, we have a friend who can get tickets for me like, like pretty cheap. And when I say pretty cheap, usually free, which is awesome. Because um, I didn't win $220 million. So we go down and man, I got, so since I'm going down, I mean, we're going down like for, for dinner, San Antonio. And, and I want to get there early because I want to watch warmups. I want to see everything. So we get down to our seats uh, in uh, the AT&T Center where the Spurs play. And there's like nobody there yet. I mean, there's just a handful of people. Some players are warming up. They're not all out there. And I'm sitting in my seat and I look down and on the court, dressed in a suit and tie, I see Dominique Wilkins. He's the guy on your right. He's the vice president of the Hawks now. He's a living legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's, one of the, the, he's the, probably one of the greatest Hawks that have ever played. Slam dunk champion, scoring champion. And when I was a kid, I mean, that's why he was one of the reasons I fell in love with the Hawks. And so a man and I are sitting there in the AT&T Center and there's, you know, like 70 people in the whole arena. And Dominique Wilkins is down there. And I'm not going to be like fanboy crazy, but I'm thinking, you know what? How cool would it be if I could get a picture with him? And so as I'm walking down, there's a security guard that's in like charge of our section. And so I go down and talk to him. And I go, hey, you know, can I, go would you, can I go down and take a picture? And he's like, no, I'm sorry. So he shuts me down. But let's pretend for a second that he said yes. Because that's how the story is going to work. So I go down. Story really ends if I just stop it there. I go down and I get to meet Dominique Wilkins. And again, this did not happen. If you or your family know him and can help me accomplish that goal, God bless you. But that, it didn't happen. So I, and imagine my story. I go down and he's standing there kind of on court side. And I go, Mr. Wilkins. And he looks over because there's nobody else around. So he's being friends. And I go, hey, would you mind taking a picture? And he says, sure. So he comes over and, and we selfie it up, you know, and I, I get my phone and I take a picture and I have a conversation with him. Here's what my conversation is going to be like in this very brief moment I have. It's going to be things like this. Hey, I just want you to know you're, you're like one of my heroes. Um, you know, I grew up watching you. You're like, you're, you're my favorite basketball player, you know, all through high school and junior high. Uh, you're like a living, you don't, this moment is huge. That's praise. I might thank him for taking a picture of something he's done, but all I'm doing is telling him who he is. You're a legend, you're a hall of famer, you're my hero, you're awesome. And then I walk back up and there's a security guard who loved Jesus and actually let me down for this imagination story had to happen. Imaginary, imagination story. That's not a word, imaginary story. And I see that guy. And what do I say to the, what do I say to the security guard? Thank you. Thank you so much for being cool. Thank you so much for not being the evil jerk of a guy you could have been and said, said no. You know, thank you for this. Now, I probably could pray, but I don't know anything about him. I'm praising one person for who he is. I'm thanking someone else for what he's done. You see the difference there? But with God, we can do both. We can praise God because he's holy. We can praise God because he's loving. We can praise God because he's faithful. We can praise God because he's awesome. We can praise God because he's creator. We can thank God because he did this for me. And we can thank God because he did that for me. And we can thank God because he did this for my family. 
And Jesus says, that ought to be a part of your prayer life. Not just asking God. And so there's your takeaway. If you're taking notes, that's one thing right there. Start spending time thanking God for what he's done in your conversation with him. Start praising God for who he is. I mean, how, how great would it be? You know, if I just came up and said, Avery, I just want you to know, I love when you sing, you're an amazing singer. Make you feel good. I mean, it's like an illustration. And like, and like, you know, but yeah, it makes you feel good to know that. You think God is not any less loving the fact that his creation tells him how great he is? Absolutely. It's like a child coming up to their, their mom or dad and going, mom, dad, I love you. You're the best dad ever. I'm gonna hand my kids money. You're like, you know, here's a dollar. You know, I mean, God, God wants that. So he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's the next thing. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now here's, this is kind of an asking prayer, but not like we talked about last week. Because here's the difference. This isn't asking for what I want. It's asking for things that we know God wants. Now here's a mark of spiritual maturity. If you wanna know if you're spiritually mature or not, here's a test you can do. As you look through your prayer life, if it's all asking, you've got some maturing to do. But if you're asking the, about the things that the heart of God beats for, that's a mark of spiritual maturity. Let me give you an, an illustration, an example that's kind of, kind of an extreme, but it goes back to when I was a kid. When I was a little kid, I had in my room, my dresser drawers, I had this Superman-like model type statue that sat on my dresser. It looked kind of like that, this guy, that's a newer one. And I had a Batman. I don't know how I got them, but when I went to bed at night, they were there and I loved superheroes. I watched superhero cartoons to this day. I watched superhero movies. Now here as a kid, what I wanted, and I used to pray for this. God, I, I pray that you would give me an Aquaman. Y'all know who Aquaman is? Yes. Okay, now listen, I'm really sad to say this because I'm actually excited about this, but Aquaman, I want because Aquaman is cool. Now, here's the deal. Aquaman's kind of like a low-rent superhero when you think about it, because here's the deal. I mean, his superpowers is he can swim underwater and talk to fish, which, which I mean, like, but Zach, Zach, if he has to come to Georgetown to fight crime, we're all out of luck. I mean, unless he's handed by PetSmart to grab some fish on the way to, like, talk to him and, like, you know, I'm going to throw you out of the bowl and go, you know, I don't know. I mean, but... Kind of a lower answer, but I wanted one really bad. I don't know why. And I used to pray as a kid, God, give me an Aquaman. And I would wake up in the morning as a kid. And like the first thing I do is like, look to see like God brought it. And never did. Was God like ashamed of those prayers? No, absolutely not. Especially as a kid, I was spiritually immature. I was immature. I was just, God's okay with that. But now that I get older and hopefully more spiritually mature and wiser, my prayers have changed. I might still pray for things that I want. I might still pray for it because God wants to know those things. But I also spend time praying for friends of mine and family members who don't know Jesus. Because I know Jesus wants to know them. I know that God sent his son to die on the cross for them and that Jesus' mission on, on earth was to reveal himself to them. And I'm praying that Jesus would do that. That's what Jesus wants. And I'm joining him praying for that. I'm praying for Fernand in Peru and I'm praying for Shedrach in Tanzania and I'm praying for Ariane in Dominican Republic. Three kids who, who our family supports through World Vision and Compassion International. Not for me, not gonna do anything for me. I'm praying because I know God has a heart for people in their situation who are poor and, and who don't have much. And, and so I start praying for things that matter to God. I start praying that God would bring an end to sex trafficking and slavery. I start praying for my church 
and what God is doing in my church, not for me, because I want, I want God's bride, is what, what the scripture calls the church. I want God's bride to be beautiful and wonderful to everybody. I'm growing in my maturity. So asking's okay, but Jesus ain't here. Hey, as you ask, let, let's, let's ease up a little bit on God I need and God I want and go, God, I wanna pray that, that you want this and God, I do too. God, your desire is for this to happen and God, I pray that you'd make it happen. God, I know, that, I know that you want so-and-so to come into a relationship with you, God. And God, I want that. And God, use me. God, do something and put a circumstance where I can have a conversation with that person. Because God, I know that as much as I love them, you love them more. Do you see the difference there? I'm praying for the things for the heart of God. And that's what Jesus says here. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, what's happening in heaven, which is God's will, I want it to happen right here on earth. So we praise and thanksgiving. And we start asking for things that God's heart beats for and not ours. Then he says this. He says, give us this day our daily bread. There, there, there's asking. So we're not, God, Jesus isn't opposed to asking. Go ahead and ask. Now you can get into debates on, you know, is bread a need or a want? And do we pray, you know, and what does daily mean? We're gonna talk about it in our small groups on Sunday. But, but, so, but asking is okay. That, that's not the issue. The issue at hand is this, is understanding the heart of prayer is about more than just asking God for things. You're gonna ask him for things. He does it here. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he says this, and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Now Jesus has thrown this idea of confession in. Now Jesus had nothing to ask forgiveness for, but he's giving a model prayer. He, he's talking about asking for the forgiveness of sin. If that phrase doesn't mean anything to you, it's, it's apologizing for doing something wrong and, and saying, I'm not gonna do it again. Jesus says, your, your prayer life shouldn't just be asking. Your prayer life ought to spend some time going, hey, God, I screwed up today. God, I blew it. God, you remember, I know you were there because he is. You remember when I cheated on the test? God, I said I wasn't gonna do it and I did. God, I apologize. God, I can't believe that I said that to her. God, I can't believe I got so mad that when I got cut off, no big deal. I can't believe I got so mad that I slammed on my horn and told that guy, you're number one. Um, you know, and we confess, God knows it happened. Confessing means I'm just agreeing with God. I agree, you're right, you're holy, and I, and I blew it. And what it does is it makes the relationship better. If you've ever had somebody that wronged you, some of you guys are sitting in here and you, you're feeling wronged by somebody. Maybe your walk away has nothing to do with prayer. Maybe your walk away tonight is to go and say, hey, I, I need forgiveness. I mean, Jesus says that in here. I mean, we ask for forgiveness of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We forgive the people. Maybe that's your takeaway. There's confession. There, there's this tribe of people in Papua New Guinea. They were called the Kuwaru. And kind of interesting thing, I mean, it's not a, a Christian thing or anything. It's just this indigenous tribe in Papua New Guinea. But when they would go battle, the men would get prepared for war. They did this thing that sociologists discovered that was really interesting. The, uh, these natives, the men would all go find a secluded spot away from where the rest of the village lived. All of these men that were gonna go fight someone else the next day. And they would build a fire and they would kill some pigs and they would roast pigs and they would have this like this pre-war feast. And then they would gather around and they would all confess to each other what they had done. I just want you to know, I did steal this from you or I mistreated your animal or I did this to your, your child or something like this. And, and that was a part of their tradition. They gathered around before they went to war to make everything right amongst themselves before the chance of death because they didn't want to die having something wrong inside of them. They practice confession. Now, here, here's the crazy question though. Why wait till you're about to die 
I mean, why not, why wait to our deathbed to go, God, there's been this relational block in my life, in our relationship, and I'm about to see you, so let's get it right now. Why not get it right now? And that's what, that's what it's about. It's about in our prayer going, Jesus, I want to be close to you. And hey, here's how, here's how I messed up. Here's how I offended you. And I just want you to know I agree with you that it's wrong. So Jesus gives us a lot of things, praise and thanksgiving, praying the heart of God, asking for things, confession. And then the last thing is this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's this prayer of guidance. So God, guide me. God, put me on the right track. God, help me to think thoughts that glorify you and to keep my thoughts from going there. God, keep my eyes here instead of there. God, guide my mouth so it doesn't say the things that I don't want it to say. And that becomes a part of our prayer life. God, guide me. I want you to put me in your path and doing the things that you would call me to do. Now, here's what Jesus has modeled for us. A prayer life that is much deeper, a relationship that is much more solid than just God, give me, God, give me, God, give me, God, give me. And then when you don't, I'm mad. It's about relationship because the heart of prayer is about more than just asking. So here's the takeaway. Here's what we do. I asked you last week to go, and I said, for the rest of the series, start asking God to put his dunamis power, his dynamite power into a need of yours. Keep doing that. I can ask you to stop asking God for things, but now let's start to expand our prayer life this week. Let's start to, let's start to have a conversation with God that might be thanking him some. That might be asking him to guide us and look where he wants to. It might be confessing. So I'm gonna give you a couple of things real quick, ways that you can even do this. One is, is find a model to guide you. When I was growing up, and you can find this all over the internet. I was taught as a kid, the Acts prayer. A-C-T-S, hit it again, it'll come up here. And, and so I used to pray as a kid, remember that. Can you hit the next slide? There it is. Uh, a was, stood for adoration. That's a big, big fancy word for praise. C was confession. We talked about this. T was thanks. S, supplication. Again, fancy word for asking. You have to put those in, the, in there because PCTA doesn't spell anything. So they had to have acts and use the fancy words. But as a kid, I had this model. And so it helped me. I didn't have to write it down. I mean, I kind of learned it pretty quickly. And so as I was praying, I'd even kind of walk through that. I'd spend some time praising God for who he is. I'd spend some time confessing the things I'd done. I'd spend some time thanking God for what he'd done. And then I'd start asking him for things. So maybe it's just using a model like this. You don't want to use this model? Use the Lord's prayer model. If you took notes tonight, you kind of wrote out your own model. Find one. But use a model or something like that to help your prayer life become something more than just asking, asking, asking. Here's the second thing you can do. I brought some of these. And this is, this is upper level. Our students that have been on high school mission trip, spring break mission trip to Poland or Oceanside, the first thing they ever do is they read this book called The Hour That Changes the World. So it's really familiar around here. If you're going to go on a mission trip, you can read it and get a head start and you can start on the next book with us when we do. But here, here's the idea of this book. It teaches you how to pray for an hour, 60 minutes of prayer by yourself. And you go, there's no way I can do it. And every student that's been on a mission trip with us started off going, there's no way I can do it. And they have. How many of you have read the book? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you at some point in your life didn't think you could pray for an hour and you have? Same one. I mean, it, it was this tool of, of how to get there. I have leftover ones. So maybe this is, some of you need to start with a model. I'm just gonna start stretching my prayer life. But some of you guys that are already doing that, you go, my prayer life isn't just asking God. You can pick one of these, you can have it. You can have it. It's, it is not easy reading. It's like big boy, big girl reading. Um, 
but you might find some things that challenge you in how to pray. And what he does, he gives you 12 different ways to pray for five minutes at a time. And that's how you pray for an hour. The hardest thing you'll do is not praying for an hour. The hardest thing you're gonna find is finding an hour to pray. That's what the hardest thing. But maybe that's what you do. Start with a model. Maybe pick up one of these books. They will be, um, actually, I'll bring them up here. I'll bring them up to the front when we get done. Here's the third thing. Come get involved in a small group. Come on Sunday morning. If you don't go to church anywhere, come on Sunday morning here, 930. You know where to go. It's this hallway. It's just down that hallway. There's grades. And here's what's going to happen. We're gonna sit down in small groups by our grade and we're gonna sit in a circle with some other people that uh, are our same age and with our small group ministers. And we're gonna kind of talk through the Lord's Prayer, discuss it. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna find out from some other peers, some ways that they pray. And maybe if you're all sitting in a circle and they go, all I did was ask, all I did was ask, all I did was ask. There's gonna be the small group minister there that's going to be able to lean in and go, guys, let me tell you what I do. So now you didn't just hear from me, Acts. You didn't just hear from Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. You heard from somebody else who's been walking in their faith, who cares about you. That's gonna say, here's what I've done. And you can have that conversation that you can't have now. We don't have time for you to raise your hand and me take questions. That's what a small group's for. To go, how do I do this? And what do I do? And how does that look like? And that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And, and you have this discussion. So I don't know what your takeaway is. Maybe the Holy Spirit gave you something different to take away. But what are you gonna do to make your prayer life more than asking God? for things. What are you going to do? I'm going to leave you the quote and then we're going to do something. I love this quote. It's about the Lord's Prayer. It's from Henry Ward Beecher. I'm going to read it kind of slow because it's deep. He said, I used to think the Lord's Prayer was a short prayer. I mean, it's four sentences. But as I, but as I live longer and see more of life, I believe there's no such thing as getting through it. If a man in praying that prayer, the one we just read, were to be stopped by every word until he had thoroughly prayed it, it would take him a lifetime. But he said, as this prayer is rich, if I stopped along the word and I just stopped at the word hallowed, holy, and I just spent the necessary amount of time praising God, adoring God, I may never finish the rest of that prayer. That's what he's saying. It's deep. There's a lot there. Your prayer life is about relationship. It's about eternal relationship with God doesn't just end shortly. And this prayer models that. So here's what we're gonna do. If you came as a guest tonight, you've never been here, I'm gonna ask you to do something that's probably gonna stretch you a little bit. And I want you to know, we don't do this on a regular basis. In fact, I don't even know if we've done it. If so, I don't know when. Because we try to do some things. We want you to be able to walk out of here with some things that maybe connect you to God without weirding you out too much. We're gonna, we're gonna weird some of you out. So here's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna spend a lot of time we're gonna practice prayer. So here's how we're gonna do it. I'm gonna have you circle up kind of by rows, one or two rows together. You do not have to pray out loud. If you don't feel comfortable praying, don't, don't panic, nobody's gonna ask you to. What I am gonna ask is our ministry team and our leadership track students, because you should be ready to pray out loud. I'm gonna ask that you look around and if you see a group of maybe some groups circled up, that don't have somebody maybe pop in there and you take the lead and just say, hey, I'll be willing to pray out loud and you can ask the question anybody else want to. And if nobody wants to, just you do. If other people do, do. And here's what I'm gonna do. I just want you to pray together. The things you asked for last week that you came up and you put in the offering plate, they're actually gonna be rotating on the screen behind us. So if you wanna pray, but you don't know what to pray, and those are asking things, that's okay. You can just look up and pray for that. And when you get to pray for that, look up, there'll be something else over there. You can pray for that. Practice thanksgiving. 
practice praise. You may not want to practice confession in the big group. I don't know. That's between you and God. Um, practice praying for each other. We're not going to take a long time. It's going to be uncomfortable for some of you. I realize that. Maybe you just need to listen to some people in your circle pray. So Colin's going to come up for us, and he's just going to put some music down in the background, so you're really probably only hearing the people around you. And just two rows, two rows at a time, you know, or if it's an odd row, fine, we don't want groups of 20, but groups of eight to 10, circle up, somebody lead out in praying, and I'm going to come back and close us out. We'll all come sit back down, and I'll close us out in prayer.